Hey y'all, welcome to Your Best Pet, Conversations with a Vet. My name is Dr. D, and I am here to educate you on the important topics you didn't know you needed to know. Communication is the key in any relationship, and I believe with my whole heart that if you are educated in a way that you can understand, that'll make you the best pet parent you can be. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back, you guys. Welcome to Your Best Pet. We're in part three of a three-part series on allergies um, and the types of allergies and diving into how we figure out what allergies are causing issues with our pets and signs and all that good stuff. So uh, I say we just jump right into it. This episode, uh, or yeah, this episode is going to be a lot shorter than the others because there is a lot less that we can do about environmental allergens. So um, that is today's episode, environmental allergies. Um, there are three major types of allergies. There are flea, food, and environmental. We've already done flea and food, and today we are jumping into part three of this series, environmental allergens. Here we go. <laughs> Um, their environmental allergies in and of themselves, I, I know I said it last time, food allergies are the most frustrating, but environmental allergies are equally as frustrating because it is incredibly challenging to pinpoint exactly what your pet came in contact with that could be causing the issue. That being said, it could be a seasonal allergy. It could be something seemingly random, like, um, oh, mom, I was just rolling around in that patch of grass over there that's a different kind of grass than all the other grasses, and it's only at this one dog park, and so it's seemingly random that I came in contact with this. Um, could be allergic to different kinds of grasses, different pollens, um, like oak or cedar or... Um, I've even had uh, cottonwood um, is a big one here in Portland because we do have a cottonwood season. I personally am allergic to it. So um, naturally, when I'm starting to have allergy flare-ups and we have five patients scheduled that week with allergies, I tend to think it's probably what's causing it. Um, There's also other kinds of allergies that I dub environmental, um, and that could be exposure to certain kinds of um, chemicals that they're allergic to. So laundry detergent, or um, I personally am allergic to a specific kind of um, laundry sheet, like, you know, the stuff that you put in with your towels that makes them smell really good and they're a little bit fluffy, you know, the fabric softener stuff. Um, I've had patients that have also been allergic to fabric softeners. Um, it, environmental allergies, the reason why they're so frustrating is a lot of times it's seemingly random unless it's seasonal and you can pinpoint, okay, well, every spring and every fall we're coming in with, you know, watery eyes and scratching all over. Um, otherwise it seems to be kind of random. <laughs> it seems to be like... Well, it's happening, you know, this time of year, but also it's happening, you know, 
at this time. And it, it ends up being like your CSI trying to put all the pieces, puzzle pieces together and fit everything together and figure it out. And that's the frustrating part <laughs> because it depends on how committed the owner is to figuring out what's causing this. And sometimes you can't figure it out. <laughs> sometimes there is no end in sight. I had one owner who was so dedicated to figuring out what was causing this dog. And he was one of my favorite patients. He absolutely adorable. I almost adopted him because he came from an adoption group and I was working with the adoption group um, to <clears throat> figure out what food allergies he was having, but also environmental. And we were, you know, working on it when he got adopted. And so the adopted owner just ended up coming to see me to continue care. And so I got to see him, you know, a year after he was adopted, two years after he was adopted. And that was super special for me. Um, but also, we got to continue the CSI figuring out process of figuring out what allergies. And by the end of it, she had no joke, a list of six things that he was allergic to that she brought me on a piece of paper and was like, this is what he's allergic to. And she was so proud and I was so proud of her. Like it was a magical moment for us. We high-fived, it was great. Um, and I'm typing them, you know, into his chart alert at the clinic I used to work at. Um, but six different things that she pinpointed that he was allergic to. And it was two food items and four environmental items that, that he reacted to that she documented a reaction to. And it, it made me so proud because it made me feel heard. Like the conversations that I have are not meaningless that, you know, she's actually listening and taking notes and figuring this stuff out on her own. Um, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful case. It's one of my favorite cases. Um, but it was still super frustrating for her. And it took her a solid year to figure all of this stuff out. This is not easy. <laughs> and that's probably the biggest thing that I want to make sure that you guys understand is that figuring out what allergies your dog or cat has is not easy. This is one of the most frustrating things in veterinary medicine because they can't tell us they're a little bit itchy. They can't tell us they went and rolled in the grass over there and, you know, that grass was different than the grass they normally roll in. They can't tell us that they got into the garbage earlier and they ate a piece of steak, which they normally don't have beef, and now they're having a food allergy, you know? So... I sympathize with owners so much and I, I try and make sure that you understand that I know this is hard, but it's also not a problem that I can necessarily solve in one visit. It ends up being a continued care, continued diving in situation where I try and help guide you to the answer, but I can't give you the answer because I'm not at home. I'm not there. So I don't necessarily know what they're getting up to or what they're getting into unless you specifically tell me and I can try and help you put the pieces together. Sometimes we figure it out, sometimes we don't. So the big thing for me is dealing with the side effects. So um, dealing with the signs of the allergy and making sure that they're comfortable while you're trying to figure it out. So what do we do about that? How, how do we do it? You probably already guessed it because I've already talked about it in both of the other episodes. But 
with environmental allergies, I actually can use both the Cytopoint and the Apoquil. Again, those are not steroids and they're not antihistamines. They're kind of in a drug class by themselves. If we have a seasonal allergy, meaning like it only happens in the fall or only happens in the spring, um, where they're, you know, a little bit itchy all over, um, but they're just a little bit itchy, they're not severely reactive, sometimes I can put them on an antihistamine and get away with it. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes it works. Um, antihistamines that you can use in dogs, there's two major ones. There is the over-the-counter Benadryl. Yes, the Benadryl, the little pink pill that you and I take, that's 25 milligrams for human. For a dog, it tends to be a higher milligram, but your veterinarian will want to calculate it for you. Um, most of the time, we don't go over 50 milligrams, even if it's a big dog. Sometimes we do, which just kind of depends on what your personal veterinarian says or what they recommend. But if it's not a severe allergy, then we can get away with the Benadryl. Um, the other antihistamine that we use is a prescription version of Benadryl. It's called hydroxazine. Hydroxazine. I hope you can hear my pronunciation. Um, it's H-Y. Hydroxazine. Anyway, um, that is a stronger version of Benadryl. That is the prescription one. Um, it does tend to work a bit better than Benadryl for dogs. However, it is prescription, so you still have to get it from your veterinarian or get a prescription for it. It ends up being a whole thing. Um, most of the time, we will reach for Apoquil. Apoquil is really great because you can start it and stop it. The injectable Cytopoint, you can't necessarily start and stop. Um, Cytopoint is the injectable version. Um, it is not an antihistamine. It's not a steroid. It's in a drug class by itself. The drug name is Loki Vetmab. The um, group that it's in is a canized monoclonal antibody, and it is the injectable form that turns off the protein interleukin-31. And what that does for your body, or what that does for your dog's body, is it turns off that itch protein, makes them stop itching. It lasts in the dog for uh, anywhere from four to eight weeks. Some dogs it's shorter, some dogs it's longer, just depends on how bad their allergies are and what exactly is going on. A lot of times I will use it to get them through a season, and that's usually all I need. Um, if they have a chronic allergy that they're getting exposed to over and over again, sometimes we will do the, if we can't figure it out and we've worked on it and, and we've tried and we're not getting um, a resolution and you don't want to go to a dermatologist, sometimes we'll just keep them on those injections every other month um, to try and keep them comfortable. If we can refer to a dermatologist that we do, the other option is to do Apoquil, um, which is the oh, oxo-oclastinib, um, close enough for any of you who actually care at home that want to know what the drug name is, oclastinib, something like that. Um, and basically, 
it is a JAK inhibitor or a Janus kinase inhibitor, which again does the same thing as a cytopoint, turns off that protein that says I am super itchy and makes them stop itching. Now, the kicker with Apoquil for long-term use, meaning you're using it for the rest of their life because you can't figure out the allergy and you don't want to do anything else about it and you just want to put them on a drug to try and ease their comfort, is that over time, Apoquil does not work as well. If you keep them on it for a long period of time, I have seen patients that um, have breakthroughs. Um, Sometimes it is a flare-up or a breakthrough flare where they have some itching that develops even though they're on an anti-itch medication. For those cases, a lot of times I will either bump the Apoquil back up to the starting dose or, um, so instead of doing it the once a day long term, I bump it back up to twice a day for two weeks just to try and get them through a flare-up. Or I will keep them at the same dose and I will give them a cytopoint injection to try and target a different itch protein to try and help them out or help them through a flare. Now, if the Apoquil is just not working anymore, at that point, you can either switch to cytopoint or it's time for a dermatologist to actually figure out what's up and maybe go into immunosuppressive injections because you're having a problem that's not being resolved. Um, All that to say, um, I do have a number of patients that are on Apoquil long-term. Typically, when they're on a long-term medication like Apoquil, you wanna do blood work once a year. Um, At our clinic, our requirement is uh, once a year when they're less than 10 years old, but when they're over 10 years old, we recommend blood work twice a year to make sure that it's not doing any more harm to that liver. You do want blood work with Apoquil if they're going to be on it long-term because you wanna make sure they don't have any liver issues that you're gonna irritate. If they do not have blood work and you just continue prescribing Apoquil and they do have a liver problem, you can cause some serious reactions. So you wanna make sure that you're paying attention to what you're doing um, and you're not just, you know, not allowing your veterinarian to do their job because our job is do no harm. So that being said, you want to make sure that you're doing that blood work that's recommended once a year. You want to make sure that you're not causing more issues. Um, I know specifically with Apoquil, they have to be over a year old. So if you're starting to have allergies and they're just a puppy, they're just like a little four or six month old kiddo that's starting to show signs of environmental allergies or food for that matter, um, you want to make sure you're trying to figure out what it is before you just put them on a medication for the rest of their life. So that's my soapbox. I'm getting off my soapbox now. (laughs) So um, it does depend on their age as to what you can use. Um, Cytopoint doesn't have as many stipulations around it. You don't have to do the blood work every year. You don't have to, or you can use it on younger kiddos if you need to. Um, but typically our recommendation is to figure out what's going on and fix the actual root of the problem, figure out what the allergen is so that you can have them live their best life. So 
that is what I know about environmental allergies. Um, I know I talked about it last week, but um, there are some blood tests that you can do. I know some clinics that do this in hospital. You know, they, you know, take the blood, they send it to an external lab, and they, you know, get a printout of, you know, your pet is sensitive to XYZ allergens. Um, like I said in last week's episode, my understanding is that those tests are not 100% accurate, um, but it does kind of give you an idea, so it may be helpful to, if you're so super frustrated and you're trying to figure it out and you're just hitting your head on a wall over and over again. Um, it may be helpful to do one of those tests. Um, I just know they're not 100%. So if you're still having problems and you and your veterinarian can't figure it out, at that point, I typically recommend referring to a dermatologist um, and getting a second opinion to try and get to these deeper uh, root problems um, of what's causing the itching. Um, you, the dermatologist is going to do the exact same thing as the veterinarian where, you know, they deal with the infection, they deal with the itching, and then they try and deal with the allergen itself. Um, whether that's the immunosuppression injections or, you know, having you do more hardcore food trials, um, that is their, their specific job. And they're a little better equipped than your primary care doctor to deal with those problems, even though your primary care doctor usually ends up dealing with it. Um, that is your best next step if you're struggling and you're having problems. So that is what I have for you for environmental allergies. Um, and hopefully this was helpful. I know this is a shorter episode, um, but I want to make sure you're getting good information. You're getting things that are actually helping you. So hopefully this was good info. Um, if you have any other questions, you can always DM me on Instagram. Um, otherwise, get with your veterinarian. Your primary care doctor wants to help. They want to help you get to the root of the problem. They want to help you figure it out. Um, and so partner with them. Um, make sure everybody in the household is on board for figuring this out. And communication as you're going to be your best friend. Keeping a, keeping a journal of what exactly is going on. Um, even a journal of when they're itchy so you can track the seasons that they're itchy. That can be super helpful too. Um, especially when you and your veterinarian are sitting down and trying to figure out exactly what's happening. Um, that can be super helpful. So I hope this resonated with you. And from the bottom of my heart, I hope you're living life with your best pet. Have a fantastic week. I hope you enjoyed this series. And uh, if you did, uh, go ahead and drop five stars down in the comments section. Um, if you didn't, it wasn't for you. That's okay. You don't have to continue listening. Um, but I do appreciate the listens. I do appreciate the follows. And from the bottom of my heart, thanks for tuning in. See you next week on Your Best Pet. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Uh, if you found it helpful, send it to somebody who you think it would help too. Um, you can like, comment, share this pod on Insta. It's your best pet pod. Um, and if you love this podcast, five stars only, please, at the bottom. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. It helps the pod grow and reach more people. 
Until next time, hope you're living life with your best pet. We'll see you next week.